0: Welcome to an Ember Young Adults Conference podcast. We pray this message would reignite a fresh fire in your life today. Uh, okay, here we go. So Joshua 14, Joshua 14, verses 7 to 13. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. It's a few, it's a few verses today. So you got to stick with me. Is that all right? All right, now he's remember the rule. If someone claps, all right, everyone has to clap, okay? So if someone claps tonight, and now this is the last session. This is when you're getting a little bit weary. The cupcake sugar level's running down. Okay, so if someone claps, all right, everyone has to clap. Are we, are we good on that? Here we go, all right? Yeah. Joshua 14, verse 7. It says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea, to spy out the land. This is a guy called Caleb speaking. I met a Caleb earlier uh, today. This is a guy in, in, in the Old Testament called Caleb. I was 40 years old and it, it was 40, 40 years ago that I was sent into the land to spy the land and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, verse 8, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you've wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as He said, these 45 years, even ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then. So now is my strength for war, both for going out, come on, and for coming in. Verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, that's the giants, and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Listen to this, verse 13. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Una, as an inheritance. So this is Caleb, he's 85 years old. 40 years prior, he stands at the edge of the promised land of Hebron, a mountain, along with a whole group of leaders that were sent in. And as we read in Numbers 13, Joshua and Caleb, they said, we can do this. We are well able. God is with us. And the 10 other spies that went in with them said, we can't do it. We're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We appeared the same to them. They're gonna destroy us. They're gonna eat us. And so for 40 years, Israel, as a result of listening to to that negative report, the Bible says that they wandered in the wilderness, and God had to wait for an entire generation of people to die out before He could take His people into the Promised Land. And so here's Caleb, eighty-five years old, as strong as he was forty years ago. Who wants to be fitter at eighty-five? Come on, fitter at eighty-five than you were at forty. Uh, and and here he is, and, and here he is on the edge of the Promised Land. And this is what he says, give me the mountain, give me the mountain. Do you know that mountain was the mountain where the, great, where the biggest giants were? This wasn't, like, this wasn't like a mansion, right? This was like the mountain that was going to require a fight. He's saying, I'm ready to take the mountain. Give me the mountain, give me the mountain. I want to share for a few moments on this topic and then we're going to pray for people. And I'm preaching from this title tonight, give me the mountain give me the mountain because mountains in scripture firstly they represent meeting places with god mountains represent meeting places with god don't they like moses on the mountain having a meeting with god and he's, he receives the 10 commandments you have this incredibly we see elijah on the mountain in the cleft of the rock having an experience and encounter with god we see jesus on uh, the mount transfiguration mountains often throughout scripture represent meeting places with god but in this case, Mount Hebron, it didn't just represent a meeting place with God, but it actually represented inheritance. It was the thing that God had called and promised that his people would inherit. Do you know that there are mountains right now in your life or that are that are ahead of you that God has promised to give you? That we talked today, even in the panel, it was powerful hearing Nelson share about conquering the mountain. Of thinking, right? That for some of us, there's mountains in our life. It might be that might be, and I think there's something powerful about owning your mountain and saying, Do you know what? See, so, so for, for for Caleb, this mountain was represented the very thing that other people said was impossible. This is what this mountain represented. It was the very thing that other people said was impossible. And Caleb said, I want that mountain. Come on. I think there's some people in the room tonight who have a spirit like Caleb that say, you know what, I know people say that's not possible, but I'm deciding tonight, I'm gonna by faith decide tonight that I'm gonna take the mountain. I'm gonna begin to ask and believe God for the mountains. Maybe for you, it's that you've come from a background where there's always been divorce and and, and brokenness in your family. And you've believed the lie that you'll never have a great marriage. But tonight you can make a decision. Come on, give me the mountain. I'm gonna have a great marriage. I'm gonna have a great future." Maybe you come from, a, from, from poverty and you've never really been good with money and you've told yourself the lie that I'm not very good with money. I'm not good at saving. I'm not good at investing. But you've believed that lie. But tonight God's inviting you. Come on, you can be someone who can take control of your finances. You can be a good steward of the things that God's given you. In fact, you can get to a place where you're going to be a blessing financially to others. And you're going to say tonight, come on, give me that mountain. Maybe it's been in your mind like we talked about today. And there's all kinds of things going on in your mind and, and you feel tormented or you feel caught up and, and you're stuck in a spiral of negative thinking and depression and anxiety. And listen, God, that's not, who knows, that's not God's heart for you. That Jesus went to the cross so that you could be made whole. And so maybe for some of us, the mountain is going to be the mountain of our of our inner world. It's our mind. Maybe for others, God's called you to start a business or impact a particular industry. Or it might be in education, or in medicine, or in social sciences, or or maybe something to do with community. Maybe it's a dream God's put in your heart for a church, or a ministry, or to go into the mission field. I don't know, but listen, God knows. And oftentimes we have this inkling, you know what, God? There's some mountains in my life that you've still got ahead for me. Do you know, I think one of the reasons Caleb stayed so strong, right? was because he hadn't forgotten that he still had some mountains to conquer. Come on, he hadn't forgotten that there's still some mountains to conquer. And I think there's something powerful about naming your mountain, about actually saying, you know what? This is what I'm dreaming about. This is what I'm believing for. You might not know all the details. In fact, you know what with God, we never do. You know what I found with God? We, ne- we never get the details. God never gives us the map he just gives us a step all right but we never get the details but but i just think tonight there's something so powerful about naming your mountain i can remember a time in my life where i was going i was quite discouraged and i remember the holy spirit actually told me to go and tell emily something i'm not going to tell you what it is but it was it was a mountain for me that that he was actually asked he was basically saying ben you're going to do this and it was it was a picture of my future and i didn't want to say it out loud because it felt it felt so out of alignment with what was really going on in my life lo- in my world in my heart it was like so much bigger than what i could see it was i wasn't in a good place and i felt the holy spirit say you need to go and tell emily that this is in your future it was a positive thing by the way not a bad thing right it was a positive thing and i wrestled like god i can just tell you and god's like i don't need you to tell me i already know it right you need to go and you need to name your mountain For some of us tonight, even just in your heart right now, it might be after the session, you need to go and you need to tell someone, God's called me to business. I'm going to own it. Or God's called me to get my finances in order. That's my mountain right now that I'm going to believe God to help me conquer my mountain. Come on. And so I just want to encourage you. You know what? There is actually no limit to God's promise. Look at Ephesians 3.20. It says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. You literally can't out ask God. He will do more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. And I see in Scripture that God is not attracted to need. God's attracted to faith. Come on. God's not attracted to need. God is attracted to faith. God is attracted to faith. And so when someone is bold enough to say, you know what? That's my mountain. Come on, give me my mountain, God. I'm going to believe you. I know that there's going to be battles ahead. I know that there's going to be challenges ahead, but I'm not just here to go along with the flow. God, I want to actually change the world. I want to do something for the kingdom of God. I want to honour you with my life. Come on, God's attracted to faith like that. And so I want to talk tonight about three challenges we will face As we move towards taking the mountain, is that okay? And the first is this, it's the challenge of identity. It's the challenge of identity. And I feel like we've hit this a number of times this weekend. So I'm not going to camp for very long on this point tonight. But it's the challenge of identity. You know, everything, every challenge, every mountain we take, the challenge begins, not externally, but internally. The challenge begins in our mind. And we see that 40 years earlier, Joshua and Caleb on the edge of the promised land, but the people, that entire generation, they didn't inherit the promise because of the way they thought, the way they saw God and the way they saw themselves. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is the Holy Spirit wants to transform the way that we see God and the way that we see ourselves. And do you know how that happens? We talked about it today. Do you know the process of that? It's actually, I'm going to pick it up right now. It's this thing called the Word of God. Listen, God, God wants to transform. See, the battles that we face in life, they do not begin externally. They begin internally. They begin in our mind. They begin in our heart. And the way God transforms our heart is not through self-help books, as good as they might be. It's not through whatever. It's, do you know what? It's, it's through the Word of God. This, this Word, it is alive and it is active. See, when you read the Word of God, as much as you're reading it, it is reading you. It is doing something in your heart that is powerful. And when you take God's Word and you begin to speak it, come on and declare it over your life, something powerful happens. Our children, right? Our children, see, there's something so powerful about understanding who you are in Christ, that you're, you're positioned for God's blessing, not because of how good you are, but because of how good God is. And when you invite Jesus to come into your life, you've been positioned for the favour and the blessing of God. You don't have to have everything perfect. Listen, we will never get everything perfect. God's not waiting for you to be perfect to bless you. God is blessing you. Listen, not because of your performance, but because of your position in Christ. Let me explain this. My kids, when they come home, right, from the from school or whatever, my kids, I don't say to them, how good were you at school today, right? That's not a good question to start with, okay? But... I'm going to feed my children dinner, regardless of how they behave today. Does that make sense? Right? They're not going to be. They're not going to go starving because they. And our kids. Our kids are blessed. Okay. Are our kids perfect? No. Right. Our kids are not perfect, but listen, our kids are blessed. Why are they blessed? It's not because of their performance. Our kids are going to be loved. They're going to be favoured. They're going to be blessed. They're going to be looked after. Not because of their performance, but because of their position in our family. Their position in our family. When our son was born, that's our first child. When he was born, I it was I was like, it was like I, there was this love explosion in my heart like I'd never have before. There's something that happens when you, have, when you have a child and it's like, oh my goodness, I never knew I could love another, a little baby like this much. Like I used to think babies were ugly and, but you're the most beautiful baby I've ever seen, right? And it's called having a parent's eyes. I don't know. But anyway, you're completely blind and you just think this is unbelievable. I remember going and the day after my son was born, I was like going and I went everywhere and I was just telling everybody, that we'd had a baby. And I was showing them photos right of him. And I was like in the in the in the servo like at the petrol station, and I'm like I'm like I'm paying for my fuel and I'm like, "Bro, I just had a baby." And he's like, "Man, I don't care. There's like 15 people behind you." You know, I'm like, "Man, look at these photos. Look at him. He's so cute." And then I go to like get a coffee, and I, because I was so in love, I was forgetting everything. So I just I actually left in this cafe, I left my Bible, I left my wallet, I left a whole lot of stuff, I left my laptop. And then thankfully a friend Another pastor from Brooklyn, he was actually just went into the thing after. Me. He goes, Man, I, he called me. He goes, Ben, I found your Bible and your, your wallet and everything here. You know, like, and I'm like, I didn't even say, Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for finding. It. I said, Bro, I just had a baby. It is unbelievable. Like, I was just, and do you know that's the way that God feels about you? That, that's actually the way God feels about you. The Bible says, uh, I don't have the scripture here, but it says that it, in, in Ephesians that it, it gave God great pleasure to adopt you into his family. That God didn't adopt you reluctantly, but it actually gave God great pleasure. That He absolutely loves you. And here's one of the first challenges. If we're going to take the mountain, mountains that God has for us, we need to settle this in our heart. I am loved, not because of what I do, but because of who I am in Christ. Because of what Jesus has done for me. God wants to bless me, not because I'm perfect, but yeah, and should we honour God with that life? Of course, but listen, God's not waiting for you to get your life perfect. That's what Jesus is for. Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. He went to the cross. So God wants to bless you without, the Bible says in James, without finding fault. Second thing is this. Second thing is this. The second challenge is the challenge of capacity. If we're going to take the mountains That God has for us there's going to be a challenge of capacity and this is the question of the challenge of capacity is this what am I carrying what am I carrying what am I carrying you know um a a number of years ago a whole bunch of guys from our church in Brisbane we went to climb a mountain on the on the border of Queensland and New South Wales called Mount Warning has anyone ever climbed Mount Warning before right and we did it. What we decided to do was we decided after uh, after youth one night on a Friday night, this is a long time ago now, after youth one night, we finished and we thought, you know what, let's just stay up and let's go get some food and then let's quickly go home and pack a, pack a backpack and stuff. It was the middle of winter. Let's pack a backpack and let's climb to the top of Mount Warning in the dark and be, be there for sunrise, right? Good idea. Good plan, right? And so... So we all go home to our respective homes. we we'll like, meet back here in half an hour. We went home. We packed a bag. And so I went back and I got a backpack and I put a, a sleeping bag in there and some food and water and all this stuff. And all the guys came back. We all had our backpacks on. And one of my friends, he's not necessarily like the outdoors kind of guy, if you know what I mean. And he's there and he brings actually like this Gucci leather bag, right? He's got this Gucci bag. Anyway, we're like, bro, what are you doing, man? He's like, you know, it's the only one I've got. I'm like, cool, whatever, man. So that's fine. So we we'll go up, we've got our water and everything, and, and he's like a bit thirsty because he didn't actually, I don't think he brought any water. And so we're climbing up, and, um, and we get to the top, and it's freezing cold. It's the middle of winter, right? So it's freezing, and it's still dark. We've got two, hours, two or three hours till sunrise, so we, we all get out our sleeping bags. Well, he didn't bring a sleeping bag, right? So we go, What is even in your bag, man? Like, what have you got in your bag? And he unzips his bag. I kid you not, all he has, all he has, right, is tic tacs, right? Hand cream, right, and hair gel. That's all he has in his back. And I said, bro, you couldn't have brought three more useless items, right, to this life. You could have almost thought of anything else that would have been more helpful than hair gel, hand cream, and Tic Tacs, right? And that's what he packed. Listen, the question is, if we're going to take the mountains that God has for us, there are some things we need to leave behind and some things we need to take with us. Look at this in Hebrews 12 verse verse 1 says, As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, right? This is talking about the faith journey that we're on. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into, and then we'll be able to run life's marathon race or ascend life's mountains with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. See, in, in life, in order to step up to the new thing that God's called us to conquer, sometimes we have to let some things go. In other words, there can be some unhealthy weights in our mind, in our heart. There can be some things like the Bible talks about sin that so easily entangles that if we're not careful, the, in fact, another, um, another way of looking at this um, in the Greek um. Uh, the, it, it actually talks about um it being like an arrow tip that has pierced our soul. In other words, things in life, whether it's disappointments, whether it's offense, whether it's sin, those things can become like arrow tips in our soul that cause infections and that slow us down. And if we're not careful, we can have these things in our heart. We can be carrying these things that cause us to Um, walk with a limp or run with a limp or climb with a limp. And what we have to do is we have to deal with, ask the Holy Spirit to deal with some of those things so we can ascend the mountain that God has for us. But at the same time that we're letting those things go, we also, listen, we also have to take something with us. And what we need to take with us is the promise of God. It's the promises of God. What we need to do is we need to find, like Nelson and Amy shared, I thought so powerfully about today, we have to find the promise in God's word for our mountain and we need to carry that with us wherever we go. We need to begin to carry the things that God has for us. And we have to actually learn to go into the into the promise of God's word for ourselves and we have to learn to carry something out of God's word for us. And I, as I was reading the story of Caleb and Joshua. Um, one time, I was reading through, and it says that when the twelve spies went into the promised land, that this land flowed with milk and honey. Right? I mean, I'm not sure exactly what that looked like. Like, is it like there's almond milk here in this river? There's there's zimmel and this one. Like, there's it was flowing with milk. Right? Milk and honey. In other words, it this place was unbelievable. Right, It was like so good. In fact, I think it was so good that because the 10 spies, because their their thinking was so small and inferior, it actually intimidated them. See, there are some mountains that God's called you to to take and right now that mountain intimidates you. You can't even see yourself running a business that's that big or you can't even see yourself being in that job or you can't even, you feel uncomfortable when you think about having a healthy, beautiful marriage because you've just never seen that before. And these guys, they went into the promised land and it was so good, man. It was flowing with milk and honey. And it says then that the grapes, I mean, I love the detail in the Bible, right? The grapes were so big that in order to carry one bunch of grapes out, it took two men, right? And it actually says that they carried them on a pole. So I would imagine that there's one guy there, there's one guy here, they've got a pole and in the middle, they've got one bunch of grapes. I mean, the grapes were like as heavy as this thing, right? That's what they're saying, right? Like normally you're used to like one of these, what are these called? A side table. you used to a side table that one man can lift. But this thing is so heavy that it takes two men. Okay, the grapes were so big, right, that it took two men to carry the grapes out of the promised land. Here's my theory. Okay, I can't prove it until I get to heaven. My theory is that the two men that carried the grapes were Caleb and Joshua, Right? And as they're carrying those grapes out of the Promised Land, and they're looking at the grapes, and they're carrying the grapes, something starts to change in their heart. And, and it's a bit like when we go into the Promised Land, into into the promise of God's word, and we start to pick something up for ourselves, and we carry that in our we carry that in our minds we carry that in our heart we begin to carry the weight of god's word on our heart and we begin to we just begin to walk in a different way we start to see the mountains that god has given us not and they begin to stop intimidating us they begin to excite us because we know you know what i'm actually carrying a promise see we will you will struggle to live until the pro- in live in the promise of god until the promise of god lives in you you need to have the promise of god come on living in you and so it's, it's the question of capacity. It's the question of capacity. In Psalm 1, it says that we should meditate on God's Word. That this isn't just like a good message and we should just get excited about that and then go back and do. No, it actually means every day that you create a space where you get into God's Word and you allow God's Word, you begin to meditate. You allow God's Word to shift your thinking, to change your mind, to, to change the way you see God. In fact, the Bible says that the Word of God is like a mirror right? And I used to think that it was like a mirror. When you look in the mirror in the morning, you go, oh my gosh, I need to do something about this. <laughs> Ever done that before? Okay, this isn't so good. You know, this is not as good as I remember yesterday, all right? And I used to think that the Word of God's like a mirror, right? And when you look in the Word, it exposes all of your sin and exposes all the terrible things about you. And so when you read the Word, you go, oh man, I'm terrible. I'm awful. I'm a sinner. I'm... That's actually not what it's talking about. And see, when you look into the Word of God, when you look into the mirror, because when that, um, it's in James, when they talk, when when when, the, when James talks about that, you're looking into the word like a mirror. It actually says that it shows you who you really are. So what happens is when I begin to look into the Word of God, the Word of God begins to tell me who I really am. I go to God's Word thinking, man, I'm messed up and I'm broken and I've got no future. And then I begin to look into the Word and the Word of God, like a mirror, actually shows me, you know what? You're chosen. You're highly favoured. You've been redeemed by God. You've been created by God. You're God's masterpiece. You're His workmanship. And it actually like a mirror shows you, man, are you serious? That is really who I am? This is good. Oh my goodness, this is actually restoring my soul. This is doing something so powerful to my heart as I begin to look into the mirror of God's Word. And the third thing is this, it's the challenge of comfort. It's the challenge of comfort. In other words, it's actually, it's easy to stay at base camp. It's, isn't it? It's easy to stay at base camp. But if we're going to take the mountain that God has for us, and probably as the team come, that'll be awesome because we're going to have some time where we just pray tonight. Um, we actually have to confront some of the things in our heart or in our life that are dysfunctional. And, and more importantly, we have to allow God to deal with some of those things. Um, last year, my wife and I, we moved out of our home, uh, put it on the rental market so we could move to Melbourne. And we started to fix up things in our house that had been wrong for a long time, Right? And listen, we just live with them. And then apparently when you want to rent your house to like normal people, like they can't like survive with like a door with no doorknob. You know what I mean? Things like that, you know, uh, a room with no door, you know, a kitchen with no sink, right? It's like, I'm being a bit silly. But who, who's ever, you've done that in your house. It's like, you know, why is this step missing? You know what I mean? Oh, that's just the way it's been for ages. Like, have you ever thought about replacing it? No, we just got used to it, right? So you get used to stepping over the step where there's no step. And then you have a visitor over and what happens? They fall down and you know break their leg, right? And it's like, what were you doing? Why are you breaking your leg? Like you've got no step in your house, you know? But so often we tolerate things in our life that are dysfunctional and we actually just call them normal. Oh, that's normal. I hadn't thought, actually I hadn't thought about putting another step in. That's a good idea, you know? Oh, a door with a doorknob. That's, that's actually, I lived in a house as a kid. My parents, they didn't put a door in my bedroom. Literally, I didn't have a door. And eventually I moved out. We got married and then, my sister got a door. And I was like, seriously, what did you have to do to get a door? Anyway. But why why is it okay? I, I started to ask this question, why is it okay for me to live with something that it's not acceptable for someone else to live with? And I think sometimes in our life we've allowed, we've we've excused the brokenness or the dysfunction or the things that are that aren't working in our life, and we say, Oh, that's just who I am. And listen, God has wired us all so uniquely. So this is not a message about being just like the person next to you or just, you know, you're unique. But what I am saying is that if you're going to take the mountain that God has for you, sometimes we've got to endure some, some moments of, of, of confront, confronting some of the, discomfort, the uncomfortable things in our heart and allowing the Holy Spirit to, to, to just break those things off, to heal us, to help us, to restore us, to, to, to renew us. In the Bible, there's a guy called Lot, and Lot, God told Lot, "Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy this place that you're living," and, and He said, "I want you to run to the mountains, right? And you're gonna be safe in the mountain, you know." But but Lot instead, the Bible says that he ran to a place called Zohar, Zoar, Z O A R, Zoar. He ran to Zoar, and Zoar in in the Greek, or in, sorry, in Hebrew, means it means a place of insignificance or smallness. So instead of doing, instead of conquering the mountain, right? He ran to to the easy place. He went to a place, and listen. Some of us we want to be we want to be used significantly by God, but God's calling us to take a step of faith, and whatever for some for all of us, that step of faith is going to look different. But here's, here's what i found. Here's what we've found in our journey. My wife and I, we just moved to Melbourne last year. really as a step of faith. We left the church we've been at on staff for 16 years. We just planted a church three years before that and uh, about to move into a brand new building. I was sharing with the guys today at lunch and uh, been on the journey, getting this building and all this stuff with council and building and all this stuff and about to move into a brand new building. And we felt God for about 12 months begin to speak to our heart about stepping, stepping away and stepping out in faith. And... Here's what I found about this: these steps of faith is that God re- rarely ever gives us the map. He often just calls us to take a step. Like we don't really know what's gonna happen after that. And we actually say, God, come on, can you give me the map? Can you give me the Google map? And God says, you can't handle the Google map, right? You can't handle the Google map. You just take the step of faith. And, But here's what I wanna encourage you with tonight is that as you take a step of faith, you're going to inspire others to do the same. In fact, you have no idea. You have no idea who is on the other side of your breakthrough. You know, this morning, Emily shared her story of, 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 um, of you know, relation, family breakdown and sexual abuse and then her, her, the accident with a tractor. But you know what's powerful is watching our kids grow up because Emily chose to conquer the mountain, right? And continue to trust God in faith. Just step, just a step. Just a step, just a step, just a step, just a step by faith, just a step of faith. Because she chose to con- conquer those mountains and conquer those things. That now our kids, our kids aren't facing the same mountains. Do you know what happens? Is when you conquer your mountain, the person that comes after you that becomes the platform that they spring from to climb the next mountain. And I watch our kids now; they don't have to. Our kids don't have to deal with unforgiveness and all this brokenness and stuff because. Their mum chose by faith to trust God and conquer the mountain. And it wasn't always easy, by the way, but to conquer the mountain so that they're now standing on a mountaintop. And listen, they're not, they're not going back down to try and just do the same thing. No, they're looking at the next thing going, I want that mountain. And listen, here's what's going to happen. As you choose to confront some of the things and ask the Holy Spirit to come and do a work in your heart, as you choose to stand, step up in faith, and say, "Come on, give me the mountain. I want that business. I want everything that God's got for me." you actually, you'll have sometimes no idea who you're inspiring to do the same thing. You know, in in uh, in before 1947, doctors and scientists and sports uh, sports people they said that it was physically impossible to run the mile in under four minutes. In under four minutes. And then one day in 1947, I've forgotten the exact date, a, a guy called Roger Bannister, he'd been training and he believed that he could, he was like, give me the mountain, guys. And he and what's amazing is uh, the stadium's packed, everyone there, anticipation, there was rumours that this guy could break it. And in fact, when he ran the race and crossed the finish line, as soon as the announcer began to announce, as, he, as soon as he said, with a time of three, the crowd was screaming so loudly, you couldn't even hear the rest of the announcement. He'd broken the four minute mile. What others had said was impossible. He did it. But do you know what's most, most interesting about this story of Roger Bannister is that it only took 13 days for someone else to break the record. Because as soon as you break through, it gives somebody else permission to break through. As soon as you break through, come on. As soon as you take your mountain, it gives somebody else permission to believe God for their mountain. So why don't we stand to our feet? Here's what's gonna happen tonight. The team are going to lead us in a song. I'm not sure what song, but whatever it is, it's gonna be super anointed and powerful, all right? Think sinking deep. Um, And here's what we're gonna do. We're We're gonna all stand to our feet. And I just sense the Holy Spirit wants to move in people's lives tonight. Um, and the team are going to lead us in a song. And I just would encourage you, if, if, if that's you and you're saying, you know what, God, give me the mountain. And this isn't necessarily for everybody and that's okay. But I know there's some people here tonight and you've got faith. You're like, man, I, I, I want to take a mountain for God. You know, it's not dishonouring. In fact, Matthew 25 is pretty clear. It's dishonouring when we don't step out in faith right? Because God's like, I've given you everything. Come on, step out. And so I just encourage you, maybe right now you're in three groups. One, you're just saying, give me the mountain. I've got some things in my heart that I'm believing for God to fulfil in my life. And I'm coming to the front as a sign of God saying, God, I'm surrendering all of that to you. Two, you feel challenged to take a step of faith and you just want prayer for that. You're saying, God, just as I'm taking a step out the front tonight, I am... um, I am, this is my step of faith in the natural to show, to say, God, I'm taking a step of faith in the spiritual. And number three, maybe there's some arrow tips in your heart or some stuff in your life. You just need the Holy Spirit to deal with that, to free you of that weight so you can take the mountain for, for God. If that's you tonight, any of those three groups, we wanna pray for you tonight. As a team leaders in the song, would you just come? We're gonna worship God and then we're gonna pray. Is that all right? Come on, why don't, why don't we sing? Come on team, you can.